Hello and welcome to Fertility Springboard, the podcast series brought to you by Fertility Help Hub. I'm Eloise, founder of Fertility Help Hub, and over the series I will be bringing you conversations with some of the most influential and inspiring professionals and experts around the world to arm you with useful and empowering thoughts and resources to ease your fertility journey. And don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on anything. It's packed full of inspiring interviews, resources, discounts and offers, competitions and real life stories. Today I am very pleased to be welcoming wonderful Sarah Camp, who is a stillbirth mother, who is actively sharing her story to help others who are suffering from loss. Hi Sarah, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Hi, thank you so much for having me, I really appreciate it. And also, we've just been talking before we came on here about the fact that it's Pregnancy and Baby Loss Awareness. Uh, currently during October. So to share a story like yours right now is going to help so, so many other people. So thank you for being our guest today. I'd love you just to tell everyone listening a little bit about you and an introduction, and then we'll go on to talk about um, your experience of stillbirth and, and your story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me and for bringing awareness. Um, You know, like you stated, my name's Sarah Camp. I live in the United States out in California. Um, And I, you know, am, I don't want to say newer to this community as my stillbirth now was a little over a year ago, back in August of 2019. Um, So really my goal, you know, now is to bring awareness and help other women and men that have gone through this experience feel less alone. Um, And, you know, stillbirth is something I hadn't heard of prior to going through it myself. And, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say older, but I'm 32 years old. Um, so the fact that I had never even really heard of it or understand about it prior to my own loss um, is something that I'm hoping to educate others. So for people who may not have heard of the term, would you mind explaining mm-hmm. a little bit about the meaning of stillbirth? Yeah, absolutely. So in the United States, and I, you know, I don't want to make generalizations because things are different depending on where you're located or, you know, how medically they're defined. In the United States, a stillbirth is defined as a pregnancy loss after 20 weeks. So if it's prior to 20 weeks, it would be considered a miscarriage. After is considered a stillbirth. Um, even within the stillbirth, there's different classifications, whether you're an early, um, late or full term. So myself, uh, the stillbirth actually happened the day before the due date. So it would be considered a full term stillbirth. Gosh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Are you happy to tell us about what the events leading up to that and what your experience was? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it was our first child. So I kind of like to start from the beginning, you know, my husband and I found out in December of 2018, uh, just a couple days before Christmas that we were pregnant with our first child. 
um, we were very lucky, you know, we got pregnant naturally, um, and we're super excited. I think that's kind of how the whole pregnancy goes with your first child. I was very lucky. I had what majority of my friends, family, and even doctors would say was a perfect pregnancy. I, I lucked out and didn't have morning sickness, although I was nauseous for a lot of the pregnancy and, you know, just was really able to enjoy the full pregnancy. Um, I would say at a lot of my doctor's appointments, the doctor was always like, oh, did you feel 10 kicks in the morning, 10 at night? Um, I wasn't a super like worrier type person. I never have been in general. So, you know, it was kind of always like, yeah, everything felt great. Baby was growing perfectly fine. Everything like that, you know, still had the standard doctor's appointments the whole way through. Um, so when we went in for our 39 weeks, it was 39 weeks in four days. Yes, four days, I believe. It was a Wednesday afternoon around like 4.30 p.m. Went in for our appointment. Everything was great. Um, you know, the doctor did a membrane sweep. So we're thinking the baby is going to come every day, any day now. And um, the heartbeat, you know, jumped when I was laughing. It was, you know, really cute. One of those exciting, you're like, okay, I'm days away from. And at this time, we did not find out the sex of the baby either. Um, I'm just kind of one of those people that I feel like you can almost decide anything in your life these days. So I thought it was like the one thing that could be a total shock and surprise. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would say for that, I may not have connected with the baby as much during the pregnancy because I was just always the type that was like, you know, we'll have our whole life to connect and pictures and things like that. So I wasn't one that took bump pictures or, you know, publicized much of the pregnancy. Um, but so everything was great at that appointment. We were kind of talking about, you know, when, when I would be induced, I was due on August 31st. And the joke was I really wanted to have my first baby while I was 30 years old. And my, my birthday was on September 7th. So a week after the due date. So even like picking a date that we would potentially be induced, I was like, well, I want to have the baby before. Um, so it's kind of funny to look back on what your, what your priorities are when you're yeah. clueless to what what could happen. So everything was great. Then Friday, I think it was probably sometime around like noon, one o'clock. I had kind of felt like, oh, this is weird. I, I'm not sure if I really felt the baby that much. Were you due to be induced? No. So um, in at my doctor's office, they will not induce you until you're a week past your due date. Okay. So at this point, I was the Friday, I was 39 weeks and six days. Right. Okay. And so I hadn't felt the baby much that morning. Didn't really think much of it because she wasn't super active the whole time. Um, but I drank some lemonade, laid on my side, and I, I just, you, you just kind of have this feeling. I'm like, I don't want to worry, but maybe I should. So then I ended up deciding, you know, I think we should just go to the hospital. Um, my husband was at work, so I gave him a call. He works across the street from the hospital. So we went to the ER. 
um, you know, they brought us back and a nurse, you know, put the Doppler on my stomach and there was nothing. And every appointment I had, there was never a time that we didn't hear the heartbeat instantly. So that's kind of when it hit, like, oh my gosh, I started to freak out a little bit in myself. You know, I'm not sure my husband fully went there. Um, then she brought over an ultrasound machine and tried to look and was like, you know, don't worry. Um, I need to get the doctor. How could you don't worry at that point? <sighs> I know. I think it's, you know, the nurse is trying to keep you calm. Um, oh. But at the same time, um, and something that I learned after that I did not know is um, a nurse cannot tell you that there's no heartbeat. So it has to be told by a doctor. So I think that is, you know, part of the reason that she kind of had to keep me calm. And then the doctor comes over and does the ultrasound machine. He turns it off and, you know, looks at the two of us and says, I'm so sorry, there's no heartbeat. At that point, I, I mean, it's it's hard to even put into words what that experience is like because, you know, you're instantly your world's turned upside down and the crazy thing is you kind of think to like movies where it would be like let's go straight to the er like let's get the baby out figure out how we can fix this but in reality it's the room goes silent it's it's a definite statement that the baby is gone at that point um sorry for your loss words just can't describe what you must have been feeling And did you say that your husband was there as well? Yes. Yes. My husband was right there with me. Um, So, you know, the the tears rolled. um, For us, luckily, this happened, um, you know, before COVID or things like that. So we were able to call both of our parents and, and they came down to the hospital, were there to be with us. And kind of at that point, you, you realize you still have to have the baby, you know, you're, you're full term. The baby doesn't just go away. Um, so that was, you know, another hard point of kind of deciding, um, what the next steps were. They kind of let you take the time and then you bring the doctor and it's like, okay, what now? Um, and, and typically they recommend you're induced and you'll go through labor like every other mom. Um, and I did, you know, some time thinking, talking with family, my husband and my niece's birthday was also September 1st. Um, so, that, you know, we find out August 30th, my due date's the 31st. My niece, who I'm very close with, that's at the time, three years old, her birthday is on the first. So I'm like, you know, I had a lot of things going through my head of how long will labor take? You really don't know anything because the baby necessarily isn't working with you. Um, So I actually made the decision to have a C-section, you know, talked with the doctor and felt it was the best thing for me mentally, physically, and, and whatnot. Um, So I came back the next morning and had a C-section. That's also when we found out it was a girl. Um, So it was, you know, the 
it's kind of, I think in that moment is when I learned that happiness and sadness can exist at the exact same time. I was, you know, so happy to find out she was a girl, but I was also so heartbroken because I I thought she was a girl and I always wanted a little girl. And, you know, we had the name picked out. So it was also hard to know that I got my girl, but at the same time I didn't. Mm -hmm. Gosh, you're so incredibly strong. You really are, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I presume everything feels like a blur, but what, what has the support been like since then? Yeah. So in regards to support, it's been very interesting, I would say. When you're there at the hospital, they kind of give you the the standard paper with phone numbers to different support groups or therapists or whatnot. Um, from the provider, it, you're kind of treated like a even less than a standard delivery. You know, you come back in two weeks and they're like, all right, you're, you're good to go. Um, we'll see you back maybe the next time you get pregnant. Um, so that was very interesting. Um, so a lot of it was finding it on my own. There's a couple groups in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, But I would say the majority of the support that I received was actually from Instagram. Um, You know, I, I remember one night I'm laying in bed late at night and I looked up the hashtag stillbirth and kind of from there was, you know, it opened my eyes to there's this huge community of support. I mean, when I was in the hospital, it felt like I was one in a million. Um, everyone kind of makes it feel like stillbirth is very uncommon. Uh, but the reality is in the United States, one in 160 pregnancies end in stillbirth. Really? Um, you must have learned so much about it following what's happened you know, to you guys personally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, with, like I said, with Instagram, you know, you, you're able to connect with other moms and you have an outlet to actually talk about your experience. Because I would say, you know, every mom wants to talk about her birth and her baby and everything like that. But a lot of times if your baby dies, then it's not so readily available to talk about. So I think that was what was helpful finding the what some of us refer to as like the lost mom community on Instagram allowed us to connect with other, you know, moms and dads that had similar experiences and be able to share our babies and like be proud and share our pictures and, and things like that. So I would say, you know, that has been the biggest support for myself. In addition to obviously, you know, family and friends being like physically there for us in, in those months after. Mm, Absolutely. So have you, so you've connected with lots of people and you've got a network of others who have gone through similar experiences? Yes. Yes, absolutely. There's, you know, lots I've, I've connected with people. And one thing that's also, um, I don't want to say fun because it sounds like an inappropriate word. Um, But not only am I connecting with people like in the San Francisco Bay area, but I've been able to connect with people around the world. Mm. You know, one of, one of the girls I connected with first that lost her son a couple days before Harper um, 
is in Australia. You know, there's people in the UK. I have a good friend in Ireland. So it's also been a way to kind of unite and, and even like learn about different experiences country to country as well. And how's your husband been? You know, he's great. I, I think one thing that was really nice is we always had open communication and we were very much on the same page with everything. Although, you know, men and women or people in general grieve very differently. And I think we both accepted that from the beginning. Um, one thing we did, you know, when we were essentially in the hospital before we even left, we agreed we wanted to like go see someone. We wanted to be proactive about finding a therapist because we didn't want to go to a therapist when we got to a bad spot. We wanted to do it, you know, to be proactive. So we found a therapist that actually specialized in loss or um, terminal illness diagnosis. So she really was able to understand, you know, baby loss is a very different loss than many others. It's a bucket that sometimes you don't know where to put it. Um, Because a lot of it is not only the loss of, you know, your child, but it's actually the loss of your future. Um, Unfortunately, you know, the memories that you got to make were during your pregnancy or in the hospital when your baby had already died. So it's a lot about like unpacking that future that you dreamed of, you know, and especially for my husband and I, he, he's dreamed of being a dad and myself a mom. So it's been unpacking the things that we thought this past year should have looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's, you know, communication is big and allowing your partner in and understanding when, you know, maybe your partner isn't wanting to talk about it at that moment and that's okay. And really trying to learn how you each need support and how you feel supported. Absolutely. There are um, people and um, charities that I've got to know through Fertility Help Hub who I'm going to link into this podcast for anyone who wants the support um, because as you said it is so key Mm -hmm. and I mean did you have lots you must have had so many or you must sometimes still I don't know have questions that you maybe want answered I mean were the doctors able to give you any reason yeah so that's one thing um before we went in for my C-section, my, my doctor was off that day, but she came in and, you know, was heartbroken. She was crying. She's like, I, I don't know. I don't know how this has happened. Like everything was perfect. And she warned us that a lot of the times you won't have an answer. So she's like, I just want you guys to know that you might not know um, if we can't If there isn't like a visible reason, would you want an autopsy, which is also so interesting that you're making these decisions all, I mean, for myself, it was, we found out at like 3 p.m. and I went in for the C-section at 5 a.m. So you're still wrapping your head around all these. Um, For us, she asked if there was something she saw, would she want us to tell, would we want her to tell us? Um, And we said yes. So when we were in for this C-section, she took the baby out, said, it's a girl. And then she reiterated and said, do you still want to know if 
if I have a reason and we said yes, and she then told us that there was a knot in the umbilical cord. So we do have a reason. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to know because, you know, you look up the statistics and the stats of an umbilical cord not actually being the cause of death are very low. But at the same time, I'm happy I know you know, I was super healthy. The baby was healthy. I mean, Harper was eight pounds and one ounce and 21 inches. She was, we still joke that we don't know where she was hiding because my belly was so small. Oh, um, it's a beautiful name as well. Do you, what, what, what memories do you cherish now? Do you have pictures? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, so one thing that's been like, really big for me um, because I try not to have any regrets or anything like that. Um, When we had Harper, you know, I would say the most memories were just holding her um, and being in the room together. We took pictures, but not, not as many as I would have done now having learned more um, about our experience. Um, but we definitely, you know, have pictures, memories. My parents, as well as my husband's parents, both got to meet her, hold her. So that's all, you know, very exciting. And again, it's kind of a, a quote that I go back to that I, I tell myself, you know, you did the best you could with the knowledge you had at the time you had it. Um, so I, I try to live by that. And I also try to kind of, educate and explain my experience and things that I potentially would have done differently if I would have known it was more common or normal. For instance, you know, I obviously, I didn't bring my baby bag to the hospital. We didn't put her in, we, we didn't change her clothes at all. She was, you know, wrapped up in the blanket where I've had friends that, you know, put on the outfit that was going to be the coming home outfit or, or, you know, the swaddle you bought for your newborn photos. So those are things I wish I would have done or, you know, I I didn't take her beanie off. We pulled it back. So we know that she has her dad's hair. It was dark and thick. Um, So I'm glad, but we didn't fully take it off or um, same with her toes. I actually never took her out of the blanket enough to see her feet. Um, So those are just some things that, you know, with bringing awareness, I hope that other moms feel those, those are normal things to do and it's okay. And, you know, I'm thankful for the pictures and the memories that I have. Um, but hope that as awareness is continued to brought up about infant child baby loss, that you, you learn that these are okay things to do and you should do them. Make sure that you're creating the memories because the memories are what you get to bring with you for the rest of your life. And you know what, by sharing your story, you're helping other people who are dealing with the same feelings that you're having and that you've had. So I just feel that you're incredibly brave to do this. It's amazing. Um, I really do admire you. And so thank you so much for sharing this with us. Do you think that, um, because I see a lot of this in the Instagram community and I share a lot of this on Fertility Help Hub, 
Um, do you feel like stillbirth quotes have been helpful to you and, and how can people find support in them? Yes, I definitely do. Cause I feel like a lot of the quotes say exactly how you feel. And I think that I, I don't know if you follow, um, I believe it's Zoe Clark Coates. Yeah. Yes, she's been on this podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. So quotes. She's amazing and everything she posts like really hit home. And I think the quotes are so helpful because they they truly speak how you're feeling. Um, they allow you to connect your feelings and know that they're valid. And also for myself, I think it's helpful to share them, not, other, not only for other moms that have gone through this experience, but I almost feel like they're even more important for people that haven't gone through this experience mm -hmm. because it allows them to understand the feelings of what stillbirth feels. Like, you know, the other day, I think she posted a quote um, about like, thinking that the pain would go away or like, when will it go away or things like that. But in reality, you know, you're going to think about your child every single day. It's been a year and a couple months and there hasn't been a day that goes by that I haven't thought of Harper. But I think that that's okay because that's the love that we feel for our child, whether they're here or not. And I think the quotes just really help to validate the emotions and feelings that you're having mm -hmm. and allowing those to be heard. Absolutely. Thank you, Sarah. Is there anything that you'd like to end with for anyone else who is experiencing something similar? I think the the main thing is to feel valid in your emotions. And I think something that I have also, I think it took me about a year to get here is, you know, I, after the experience, I kind of always had to make sure that everyone thought I was doing fine. I went to all the events and I really showed up and tried to be, you know, as positive as I could be. And I think there was a, a moment where I had this shift a couple months ago and realized that it's okay to protect yourself and your heart as well. And really to allow yourself to feel all the feelings, but, you know, to know it's never fully going to get easier, but for myself, sharing my story has helped me in the healing process. And it's also helped me keep the memory of Harper alive. Um, so if it's something that helps others in the healing process, I would say to share your story, whether it's with a friend, a coworker, or someone you feel comfortable with, um, just allowing yourself to fully feel all of the feelings. Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much, Sarah, and for telling us all about Harper and the grief that you've experienced. Again, I'm so sorry for your loss, but so appreciative for you being so open and helping others. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me.